my husband loves him some ritual. His little tum-tum can get off. His little microbiome, it says, help me. Enter Ritual. They created a three-in-one supplement, including clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gash, and diarrhea. I really like Ritual because they prioritize sustainably sourced and traceable ingredients. I love to take my Symbiotic Plus every morning along with my hot tea or coffee because I feel like it helps me start the day off right. I also love that Ritual has industry-leading sustainability standards. Ritual uses scientific tools to select lower carbon packaging, prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash curious. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash curious for 20% off. Let's face it. I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Welcome to Curious Now. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every other week I sit down with a brilliant expert to go beyond the headlines. Y'all, welcome to our first episode of Curious Now. Starting this show has been a dream of mine. Since launching Getting Curious in 2015, we've done over 300 episodes, but we don't always have the chance to keep up with some of our stories, some of the things that we've gotten curious about over these last seven years. And we also don't get the chance to break new stories. So we are so excited to be here with you in a more real-time way. So on Curious Now, we'll be giving you some headlines at the top, then we'll cut to an interview, and then we'll be answering some listener questions. So we're giving you a little bit of a different format from Getting Curious, and we are so excited to switch it up. Now, For our premiere episode, we're catching up with one of our favorite Getting Curious guests. She's a fellow Texan. She's an intersex rights activist and someone I'm honored to call a friend. Her new book, Inverse Cowgirl, is coming out now. Welcome to the show, Alicia Roth-Weigel. If you want to skip to that convo, head to the episode description for more info on how far to skip ahead. But for now, let's get over to our news desk. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. This is Jonathan reporting live from my podcasting room. Here are our new stories of the week. That was enough of that, you guys. But 
for our first segment of the show. Oh my God, we've never done segments before. It's our first episode. No, I'm a professional journalist, you guys. So I'm calming down. Here's the thing. These are our headlines that even straight people are talking about. Narcan. Narcan is the thing that you administer when someone is having an opioid overdose. So Narcan is a really important drug and it is now available over the counter in drugstores and has been stocked on Walgreens shelves since September 7th. This was a huge win for for the recovery community and for really just everyone who's lost anyone to an overdose. This is a really important step for us to destigmatize drug use in this country and make sure that we have resources available to people who need them. So yay for Narcan. We're very excited about that. Okay, our next story. Jesus Christ. I love being a news anchor, you guys. The world just experienced the hottest summer on record by a lot. It's been hot as balls. I've been living in Austin. It's been 105 for 90 days. Someone send us some water. It's it's just real hot out there. But the world really has experienced the hottest summer on record. And it's nervy. Also, you guys, if you want to see the news stories that we're pulling these facts from and these situations from, we will also link that in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. So you can read the stories that we're talking about. We loved this story. Trump is held liable in the second E. Jean Carroll defamation case. We love that E. Jean Carroll just keeps her fly swatter handy for Donald Trump. She has her legal fly swatter ready at all times for his ass. Swat! Swat Donald! We just are obsessed with her and I love her so much. Okay. Well, honey, Elsa ain't the only one who's frozen. Mitch McConnell had two episodes where he appeared to freeze and not respond to questions. Although doctors suspected he might be experiencing small seizures, there's no evidence that's the case. Let it go. Let it go. Spread your wings and leave the Senate. You gotta let it go. Let it go. Now from let it go to stories that made me go whoa. Five million bees escaped in Canada after crates of hives fell off a truck. Not to self-promote our episode, but if you want to go back to like 2018 and listen to our episode of How Can We Be Less Rude to Bees, that was a really good episode, I'm just saying. But goddamn, let's be careful with the bees, those poor bees. The, the videos from that were insane. This was actually the story of all the stories that really made me go, whoa. I don't know if you saw this a few weeks ago, but doctors in Australia found a parasitic worm alive. Now, you know we just researched parasites a few weeks ago on Getting Curious, so this really stuck out to us. But basically, this British woman, she's minding her own fucking business down in, I think it was New South Wales, or one this one province in Australia, or whatever they call it in Australia. We, you know, we love Australia. But there are these carpet pythons there. And this fucking particular parasite typically lives in carpet pythons, but it fucking invaded, because she eats like raw grass as she's giving forager, and we love foraging around here. But fuck, she literally got a guy. And she had this thing for like two years. That fucker was wriggling around. Fuck me. We we could not believe this story. It was, I think she might be doing better though. That's what the article said. But Jesus Christ. Don't eat grasses with Python shit on it. Like I know how would you have known, but Jesus Christ. I just hate to take the Lord's name in vain, but wow. Okay. For our next story, researchers in China say they found evidence suggesting that 930,000 years ago, 98.7% of humanity's ancestors were lost. Mom, Dad, no! Also, I love that I was trying to be serious on this podcast, and this is the level of seriousness that I bring to these stories. However, outside experts say they are skeptical of the statistical methods used for the study. Ooh drama and academia. Now moving on to our next segment, which is the gay agenda. Now, y'all, this is actually like 
this is actually literally serious. So if you listen to our episode of Getting Curious with the hosts of Strict Scrutiny, we got to learn a lot about the Supreme Court and what's going on at the Supreme Court in, in that episode. And then our previous episode with Melissa Murray, also from Strict Scrutiny. So we learned in that episode that like when it comes to courts, you have like your... I believe it's like your district court, then your circuit courts, and then you have your, the Supreme Court. But basically, when you have circuit courts that are issuing opinions that contradict each other, that will typically fast track a case to the Supreme Court. So that leads us to this story. So on August 11th, a three-judge panel of the 11th Circuit Court of the U.S. Court of Appeals ruled to lift a preliminary injunction issued in May 2022 to prevent a law banning gender-affirming care from going into effect in Alabama. So in Alabama, they passed this law. Then in August, this three-judge panel in the 11th Circuit allowed it to go into effect. Lawyers representing the families of the transgender children have asked all 12 judges in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals to rehear the case. So that's what's going on there. Then in Georgia, a federal judge blocked a ban on doctors starting hormone therapy and transgender people under the age of 18. And since Georgia is part of the same circuit that upheld Alabama's ban, the state of Georgia is asking the judge to reinstate the ban. So that one looks like it's going to go through, you know, until we see what's going to happen from the 11th Circuit's, you know, next ruling. Then, on August 25th, Circuit Court Judge Stephen Omer in Missouri ruled that their new state law banning gender-affirming care treatments would go into effect on August 28th. On September 18th, a Montana judge will hear arguments on whether or not to block Montana's new ban, which is set to take effect on October 1st. So all of these rulings, because both sides are going to appeal, this is most certainly going to end up at the Supreme Court eventually. Gender-affirming care, especially in minors, is a very hot-button issue. And while we're on the topic talking to myself about it, I just want to flag, so often I will read in the press people saying things like, oh, you know, a little girl comes and says, mommy, I'm a boy. So, And then they'll be like, we shouldn't be going and like allowing those kids to transition. They don't even know what their future is. No, no, no. They're just figuring it out. Just to flag y'all, that's not what happens with trans kids, okay? It is not like trans kids come to their parents and say, mommy, I think I'm a girl or mommy, I think I'm a boy. And then they get gender reassignment surgery and go on hormones the next day. Kids that are actually getting hormones, like they have seen doctors several times. They've been living with this, dealing with this for years and years and years. Dealing with having a transgender child is not something that like, I mean, I would hope that everyone is going to love their kids no matter what, but it's not necessarily like the easiest life with all the judgment and all the ridicule and all these legal hoops that people have to jump through. So just know people are not like flagrantly out here trying to change their kids' gender, okay? <laughs> and now we've like limited healthcare for kids who need it. So pisses me off. Okay, so then for our next segment, uh, this is what we like to call On Your Radar, On Your Radar from Brittany. Sister District, we know from Sister District that there is no such thing as off-year elections, just odd-year elections. Sister District, who we love, follow them. If you don't know who they are, they're an incredible organization that works to shift power from progressive coastal places to more of their sister districts that are more like purple areas and other places of the country. Sister District has done such important work in Virginia. This election season, they're endorsing candidates like Virginia's Danica Rome, who we love. There are so many ways to support their work and get involved. Head to sisterdistrict.com to learn more and make sure to look at who's running for office in your neighborhood. Y'all, we have Virginia as a huge race this year. Virginia is a really big bellwether one. And whatever happens in Virginia, a lot of times political pundits will use that as like, 
oh, like this is what's going to happen the next year. So we really want to show up and show out hard in Virginia. So with that being said, that is our headlines of the week. Our first headline segment, we did it. We slay. Um, Katie Couric, who, no, I'm just kidding. I love Katie Couric and we're actually obsessed with her. Let's edit that out right now. Oh my God, I'm Jesus Christ. We love Katie. Ah. But now it's time for us to be tossing the mic to one of my favorite Getting Curious guests, Alicia Rothweigel. Alicia is an incredible author and activist putting the I for intersex and LGBTQIA+. Take a listen. Oh my God, I'm actually so excited. Okay. Because this is supposed to be newsy. That's supposed to be like the Today Show or like the Tonight Show, whatever. Like the nightly news. Welcome to Curious Now. I'm Jonathan Van Ness. And every other week, I sit down with a brilliant expert to go beyond the headlines. For our premiere episode, we're catching up with one of our most beloved Getting Curious guests, someone who I absolutely adore and someone who I'm honored to call a friend, Alicia Rothweigel. Alicia Rothweigel is a writer, activist, and fellow Texan. When she was on Getting Curious back in 2021, she shared what it's like to live as a person with intersex traits and how she's putting the I and LGBT TQIA+. This summer, she was featured in the documentary Everybody alongside fellow intersex activists River Gallo and Sean Saifa-Wall. And this month, uh, drumroll, we're celebrating the release of her new memoir, Inverse Cowgirl. So can you just remind us, well, first of all, how the fuck are you? Are you good? I'm good. You know, this new moon in Pisces or whatever it is, is throwing me a little bit. But beyond that, everything's great. I'm super excited for the book and the movie and to be sitting with you today. Obsessed, diving in, going for it. Can you remind us what it means to have intersex traits? What is the I in LGBTQIA+. Yeah, so honestly, I think people get confused about it. They're like, is that a fancy way to say non-binary or something? But it's pretty simple. If you break down the word intersex, it means between the sexes. And I think we as a society understand now that sexuality is not a binary, you're not just gay or straight, there's this whole beautiful spectrum in between. I think people are starting to understand now that gender is also not a binary. There's, you can be a man, you can be a woman, and then this whole beautiful spectrum as well in between. What people are just coming to terms with is that sex is also not a binary. So the physical traits that we are born with, everything from chromosomes to hormones and external genitalia, internal reproductive anatomy, all of our physical sex traits that we're born with also are not binary. So you're not only a male or a female, but there's this whole beautiful spectrum of intersex traits in between. And one thing that I like to point out for people is that that's not only applicable for intersex people, it's also applicable to everyone who's listening to this podcast. So some People who are born with breasts are born with big boobs. Some people don't grow boobs really at all, are pretty flat chested. Some cis men can grow a full beard and some barely get peach fuzz, right? So all of us, our sex traits exist on a spectrum. And with intersex people, we just happen to be a little bit closer to the center of that spectrum. So for me, I was born with XY chromosomes, which most people associate with the unquote unquote male. And so I was born with testes rather than a uterus and ovaries, although my internal testes were born inside of me, they were internal. 
except on the outside, I was born looking quote unquote female or presenting very femme in the world. So I also have a vagina. And if you were to look at me on the street, I think you would never really know that I was born different than any other cisgender woman. So yeah, being intersex basically means exactly what the word says. We're born intersex between the sexes. We have physical traits that don't fit neatly in those male and female categories on a birth certificate. Obsessed. Anne Fausto Sterling was the person who said like the whole 1.7 people have intersex traits, right? But then TERFs would say that 1.7 is way too high. But what do we think about that? Yeah, well, so I think it all kind of depends on how you define intersex as well. So the 1.7%, for example, doesn't include people with polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, which those people who are generally considered women are not counted in that 1.7% intersex number. However, these are women that grow facial hair. So why would that not be considered intersex? I mean, yes, you can also identify as a woman, but to have women that grow full beards, I would consider that to be intersex. You have traits that don't fit neatly in this male-female binary. So I think it kind of depends on who's counting and what they're counting, you know? And the number, again, of 1.7, who knows if that even includes people like me because it says female on my birth certificate. There is no option on birth certificates In most countries, there are some exceptions, but on most birth certificates, there isn't an option for intersex. There's just male or female. So as far as I know, I might not be counted in those intersex numbers that people are citing because it says female in my birth certificate. I never went through any sort of, you know, gender transition where I had to update documents or anything like that. So, you know, the 1.7 number, I think if anything, it's just an argument for we need more data collection on this community. And we are the first people, intersex people are the first people to say that because there's so little data on how our bodies function and what our bodies need to be healthy. And that's part of what we've been working on with the Biden administration back in Pride Month of 2022. So in June of 2022, President Biden made an executive order that did a bunch of different things. It was a an omnibus Pride Month executive order. So it did everything from committing to ending conversion therapy across the country to mandating a year-long report on the health inequities faced by intersex individuals. So for the past year, the federal government has been working with intersex activists like me across the country, and we've been compiling more research on the intersex community, on the discrimination we face, on the barriers to access to healthcare that we face on all of the different areas that need more research. So it's kind of, it's going to be a year long report that's going to be released at some point later this year in 2023. That is basically going to be the framework for saying, this is some research that shows that we need more research. And so hopefully that'll be, you know, given that it's the first ever federal policy governing intersex Americans in the history of the United States, I hope that'll be the impetus for collecting more data so that we can have better informed arguments with TERFs, among other reasons. (laughs) Absolutely. But also, first and foremost, so that we can have more 
information on the health needs of intersex people. And that's kind of what I think. It's like whether or not it's 1.7 or like 0.2%, which is a shitload of people and their families, even if it's on the lowest end. And I also think that another thing that we talked about in our episode of Getting Curious from 2021 was that like, it's not like we test all babies for their chromosomes. Totally. So we don't even know. There are intersex people who find out they're intersex much, much, much later in life. They'll go to the hospital for some completely unrelated issue. Doctors will run some tests. They'll be like, hey, like, we got some weird hormone levels here. Or, hey, we were looking through your medical records and we see that there was like a surgery done when you were a baby. And then later in life, that person finds out that they're intersex. So... Yeah, there, there are people who are intersex that don't know they're intersex. So I would say no matter what, there's an undercount. Whether we're quoting 2% or 0.2%, whatever it is, it's an undercount. And until more of us start coming out of the closet, until there is more research available on our community and how intersex bodies function, we're not going to have accurate numbers. Recently, I've been having some stomach problems. Everyone that I talked to recommended that I take a bunch of different supplements and vitamins, but it's kind of complicated to keep track of that many different pills and powders every day. So I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that supports my gut health while also supporting my immune and brain health. AG1 covers my bases with high-quality ingredients like pre- and probiotics, adaptogens, antioxidants, and whole food-sourced nutrients. AG1 also replaces my multivitamin, my pre-slash-probiotic, and my supplements to support energy and focus. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com curious. That's drinkag1.com curious. Check it out. My husband loves him some ritual. His little tum-tum can get off. His little microbiome, it says, help me. Enter Ritual. They created a three-in-one supplement, including clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gash, and diarrhea. I really like Ritual because they prioritize sustainably sourced and traceable ingredients. I love to take my Symbiotic Plus every morning along with my hot tea or coffee because I feel like it helps me start the day off right. I also love that Ritual has industry-leading sustainability standards. Ritual uses scientific tools to select lower carbon packaging, prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash curious. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash curious for 20% off. So then why are intersex rights in the news right now? And also like not to be a duality girl, but why are they not? Because I feel like we need <laughs> even true. more. So like what are some of the headlines and what are they missing? Yeah. So I think intersex rights are in the news for a few reasons. First, we have the first ever movie, major motion picture that has come out about our community ever. 
that happens to be directed by Julie Cohen, who did the Ruth Bader Ginsburg doc. She did one about former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. So I think having not just a major motion picture, which is called Everybody, by the way, and it's streaming for free on Peacock. You can pay to stream it on any streaming service you would like, but it's also streaming for free on Peacock. So Everybody came out and and this whole podcast is called Curious Now, right? Part of being curious is wanting to learn about new issues. But I think in our society, if we haven't heard about something, there's this general tendency that we have to be like, oh, I haven't heard of it, so it must not be a big deal. Or like, oh, I've never heard of that, so it must not be real. Like, you know, it it needs to be legitimized to a certain extent. And the intersex movement, we haven't had any really, really, really famous people come out as intersex yet, which I think it's just a matter of time. And we haven't had this kind of like credibility of people that everyone's like, oh, I know that person being like, oh, that person's intersex. Or we haven't had, you know, until now the federal government being like, this is an issue that we need to address. And so I think for a variety of reasons, 2022 was the year that we started to be legitimized as a movement. It's like, we have Julie Cohen saying, yeah, you know, I love Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I also love these intersex activists. You have President Biden being like, we need to focus on conversion therapy and we need to focus on intersex healthcare. And so finally it's starting to be legitimized. And I think the timing could not be more perfect because we are in this broader societal reckoning about the gender binary and what it means to be trans and what it means, what gender means in a, in a broader sense. And as you mentioned, intersex sheds a whole new light on that. So all of these TERFs who are saying like, well, we need to protect children. Okay, so you're saying we can't give hormones and surgeries to trans kids who want them, but you're saying you can still force hormones and surgeries on intersex kids who never asked for them. And that's what all of these anti-trans bills are saying. All of these same pieces of legislation that are passing or nearly passing state by state across the country, they are saying deny gender affirming care to trans kids, but they all have these specific legal carve outs that say you can continue to force the same exact surgery and the same exact hormones on intersex kids who never asked for them. And so part of it is like, well, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Just logically, it doesn't make any sense. But part of it is it also just shows the utter hypocrisy of these legislators and of these TERFs that are saying we are out here to protect children, but you're not. You're out here to normalize children. You're out here saying we don't think trans kids are normal, so we need to prevent them from their transness. And we don't think intersex kids are normal, so we need to force them into one of the categories that society is more comfortable with, whether that be male or female. And so it's none of it's about the health of the individuals in question. It's all about the comfortability of the people who need to interact with and look at these children. And respectability politics is some major BS. Like we're seeing huge strides in, you know, legislation that says natural hair for black Americans, they should be able to have natural hair in the workplace. That's how their hair grows out of their head. Why should they need to flat iron that or chemically alter that? If they want to, great, fine. But why should they have to, to be considered professional or to be considered like worthy of 
our time and our energy. And it's the same thing with trans and intersex people. It's like, who cares what we look like to other people? This should be about what's best for our bodies. This should be about our desires, our needs, our pleasure, what makes us feel affirmed and happy. And so, you know, I think there's this larger societal reckoning that's happening about what is normal and how do we go back on what we've been taught since biology and elementary school, which is that there are only these two categories and you see it on all these signs on, on public restrooms and whatever. And we're being forced to rethink what we've been taught and what we've been told that usually is a really uncomfortable place for people. And that's why, you know, I just love that you have this whole podcast. That's all about being curious because I think we've lost a little bit of that in society, the ability to be like, wow, like I could reexamine my own dogma and my own way of thinking. I think if we reframe it in our minds as rather than new things or something we need to be afraid of to something that we could be excited about, like, wow, this is like a new opportunity for me to like expand my mental repertoire and like be able to learn about new cool things in the world that I didn't know about. Like for me, that that's a really cool thing. So one, I feel like in your activism, because I mean, there is like an incredible video of you like testifying at the state Senate. I I would imagine that you've been in lots of conversations with people who are like very opposed to LGBTQIA plus issues. And so if you find yourself in one of those positions, how do you do your best to stay grounded and not kind of like become really flustered? Or like, how do you deal Mm -hmm. with that one? And then two... Sports inclusion affects intersex people because if you're like on hormones or like, or does that just do the laws like carve out intersex people from those? Like, what do you think about the sports inclusion? Sports inclusion, we just saw in Idaho, there was an injunction at the federal appeals court level in Idaho earlier this month that blocked Idaho's anti transgender sports law and says that they can't enforce the anti-trans sports law that was passed in Idaho back in 2020. It was the first state in the U.S. to enact a law like that. But it has now been blocked by the courts, specifically citing arguments about intersex bodies. And they're like, how do we simplify something as sports to something as simple as there are only two categories when that's not what exists in biology? My question for these people that are anti, you know, proponents of these sports laws, right? Would they rather have me, and look at me, I would urge you to go to my Instagram, it's xoxy underscore Alicia. Look at me, look at the modeling campaigns that I've done, look at my thirst traps that I post, and tell me, would you like me in the men's room? Is that what you would prefer? Would you like me playing on the soccer field with your male children? Because I happen to have been born with balls and because I have XY chromosomes. And I think like, It just points out the utter ridiculousness of it. And so I think that is an example of like how intersex rights affect everyone. But you're on a mission to put the I in LGBTQIA+. So intersex, we're talking about it. Wake up if you're driving, honey. You got to get it together. How and why is the I often left out of LGBTQIA+. This is going to be the doozy because it causes us to examine some shortcomings, even within our own community, even within the broader LGBTQI plus community. And I have to say more broadly, the queer community is, has honestly been very, very supportive of intersex people. It's just the institutions. It's the main nonprofits and institutions that control 
queer advocacy and queer funding that have not caught up yet. It comes from something bigger that I think applies to most of us in the world, which is a scarcity mindset. And it's something I've been working on with my therapist. Like a lot of my friends are getting married and having kids right now. I'm in my early thirties. It's just that time of life where it happens. Right. And sometimes I get so fixated on this fact, like, oh, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like I get focused on this scarcity in my life. Right. And then it's like, but I can reframe that. It's like, well, actually I had a movie just come out about me and now I have a book coming out. And like, what a scarcity mindset means more generally is like our focus on lack rather than abundance. And this isn't to gaslight people who like, they have a roof over their head, but they can't pay their bills and they don't have money for food, that they should be focused on the fact that they have a roof over their head. Like, no, this isn't meant to like gaslight people that need and deserve more in life. What it is to say, it's that I think we all come with scarcity mindsets in certain ways. And I think within the nonprofit community, I think that certain people, even within the queer community are like, oh, if there's this new letter we have to talk about, or there's this new community that's going to be getting the news airwaves, or is going to be getting some of the funding when, let me reiterate, that intersex activists receive less than 1% of all LGBTQI plus funding available currently. That's money that I'm not getting. Jonathan, you and I were at the Texas State Capitol, and there was this rally that you and I both spoke at, and it was for these bills that were banning healthcare for trans kids. Meanwhile, drafted into the same bills was this language that says you can keep forcing surgeries on intersex kids who haven't asked for them and don't necessarily want surgeries. And I was there at this rally. I've spoken at so many hearings. I've spoken at so many rallies. And I was asking them, I was like, hey, like, would you mind if I spoke on the agenda? Because this bill is about my body too. It's about my rights too. And I'm not hearing this in the news conversation about these bills. And you were out here and you were such a good ally, even within the queer community. You were like, you got the microphone. You're like, hey, I'm Jonathan Van Ness. I'm here to support trans people like me, non-binary people like me, here to support everybody. And now it's time to listen to Alicia because she has something that she needs to say and that y'all need to hear. And if I'm being honest, the queer community is really traumatized and rightfully so. Like we have the elders in the queer community that are coming, having lived through the AIDS crisis. And I mean, of course we still have issues with HIV transmission rates, but thank God that's improved a lot. And we have, you know, trans people who are being targeted and they're like worried about not getting murdered in the streets of their own hometown. And so of course we have like really heavily traumatized individuals. But I think trauma causes us sometimes to do things and act in certain ways that like aren't in alignment with our highest selves. And a lot of my book is fighting for abortion rights when I don't even have a uterus. I couldn't get pregnant if I tried. So you know, a lot of us are out here showing up for other people. And I honestly think the best activists that understand that better than any other community I know are black activists. Like they are out here fighting for everybody. They have been the most inclusive of intersex people. Like I'm out here often speaking at rallies led by the black community for the black community. And then I'm this like random white girl on stage because they're like, this is an issue that needs space and the queer community is not giving it space. And a big part of my book, yes, my book's about being intersex, but it's like way bigger than that. It's really about 
I mean, it's about body autonomy more broadly. So I talk about how the fight for trans rights is the same as the fight for intersex rights, is the same fight as we're fighting for abortion rights, is the same fight as we're focused on for sexual assault survivors. It's all our ability to own our bodies and make decisions for ourselves about our own bodies. And like the more that we can show up for one another, the faster we are going to win. You know, marriage equality is not a done deal. Once they chip away at the trans rights and the intersex rights, they're going to start coming back for the gay rights too. And I mean, they're already trying to target like HIV prep access. We already had a fucking outbreak of monkeypox fucking last year and it was very slow to respond. So it's like nobody is. But you know, I do think it's interesting on like, why is there a reticence from queer folks to not support intersex and trans rights or just be scared to approach them in general? Do you know what my working theory is? Not that it's an excuse because it's not, but this is my working theory. There's a trans misogyny like within gay men in and of themselves. Then also with, I think with women and queer women, like there's been, I mean, women have been one of the most oppressed and marginalized, you know, people across all, like, I just think that there's like, I think a lot of the, foundational trauma in a lot of gay people, queer people, has something to do with gender. Or there is something around gender that's within them that's like, it's different for everybody, but that's my working theory on like why. When I used to work with Wendy Davis, who's a good friend of both of ours, and I know we, we love Wendy and we're like, Wendy, please run for something again. And when I, we used to go to the Capitol with her to advocate for gender equity more broadly. This is before I even came out as intersex. And I used to be like more of a sexual assault and human trafficking advocate. And I, one day I went to the Capitol and I remember, and, and, you know, this is in my book and Wendy, we love you dearly. And we're all learning and we're all on a journey. But Wendy told me my skirt was too short. And she was like, you need to go home and change your skirt. And I was like, no. And she was like, you're not going to be taken seriously. You're representing our organization. Like, because people in her generation, and she's a generation above me, right? Feminists had to fit into a certain box to be taken seriously. And they had tougher hurdles than we had. And so we all come with like certain baggage of like, where we have had to experience something that then translates into us honestly being part of perpetuating our own oppression. Like we need to abolish the police inside ourselves. We need to stop policing one another. And when you take it a step further with trans people and why I've actually, and I want to shout out like the NCTE National Center for Trans Equality has been like the best ally. They're dope. They're amazing. And throw your money at them. Anyone listening? So there are a lot of trans activists that are out here supporting trans and intersex solidarity because we have so many issues in common from hormone replacement therapy to growing up in the closet to like not fitting into these binaries. Like we are the most natural allies in the world. So there are trans people that are out here fighting the intersex fight. And I want to make that clear too. But I think what part of it is with trans folks and why some of the trans community has not embraced the intersex message. And I've heard this firsthand from some of my trans friends that when they came to terms with being trans, they wanted to be intersex because they felt like it legitimized their transness. They were like, if I were intersex, I would have this thing I could point to that would be like, ha, look, my body is not fitting in this category that y'all put on my birth certificate. And so I have this like validating factor that legitimizes me. And I think all of those trans people who have told me that have had to come to terms with the fact that, hey, our brains are also part of our body. And if our brains are telling me I don't fit in this category, like, that's not my category, right? Like our brains are also a body part. 
So, so like that is validation enough in and of itself. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Hey guys, it's Cheyenne Davis. You may know me from MTV's Teen Mom OG or Think Loud Crew podcast. I'm here with my dad, Papa Floyd, to tell you about our new podcast, Unfiltered Kitchen. The kitchen is the hub of the household for many of us. The one-stop shop for conversations both big and small. Cheyenne and I have been having open conversations about all aspects of life in our kitchen since well before she was able to see over the counter. And now we're inviting you into our own kitchen as a part of the family. Unfiltered Kitchen is a two-way street. I share my advice on cocktails, cooking, parenting, and the lessons I've learned. And I inform my dad what it's like to raise kids today, how generational barriers affect us, and the joys of being a daughter. Well, your daughter. Get ready for a whole lot of unfiltered advice. You can take it or leave it, but you're never going to leave this table feeling hungry for more. Listen to Unfiltered Kitchen wherever you get your podcasts. I also love this that you write. So in Inverse Cowgirl, you're also on a mission to show that intersex people are in fact hot, not just brave. That really, really resonates with me. So how is this duality an intentional part of your activism? In so many ways. First off, like intersex people have been desexualized by society because like we were always called hermaphrodites, which was always like the butt of jokes. Like even on Will and Grace, for example, which is this like pivotal show for the queer community, like they made jokes about hermaphrodites. And again, that just shows we're all on a learning curve, right? So like we were desexualized. We were viewed as like this joke. We were told our bodies were disgusting, that they were not desirable. I was told by the doctors, like I had to lie and tell, never tell anyone about who I was because I would never find a good husband one day. I would never be worthy of love. I would never be lovable if people knew who I really was because they would think I was gross because it's rooted in homophobia. It's rooted in transphobia, all these things. To the point where so many intersex friends that I've talked to tell this same lie, a bunch of my intersex friends would walk around as kids and we would literally tell people that we were born with ovarian cancer and that we had to have our ovaries removed. And that's why we couldn't have children, which is like really wild that we have doctors out here pushing us into this place where we're like, we need to lie about having childhood cancer. Uh. Like, it's pretty freaking weird. Like that, that's weird. And anyway, so we, we were told we had to lie about ourselves to be ever worthy of love and attraction and affection. And it took a long time for me to unlearn that. And also, I had learned to like dissociate from myself because my own boundaries were so violated by like doctors as a kid and like being put under anesthesia to like be like observed by like medical students and like just not being treated like I had boundaries over my own body. I had learned to dissociate from my own body. And when I look at my 
sex life in my early years, it was based all on this like desire for validation from the male gaze that like I was attractive and that I was desirable. It wasn't at all focused on my pleasure. Mm. And I had to like re learn to bring myself back into my body. They call it like embodiment in like therapy spaces and stuff. I had to like learn to stop dissociating from my own body, bring myself back into my own body, which I've learned to do in a lot of different ways through running, through dancing, through all these things that help bring me back into myself. So it took me a long time to first off, like feel okay in my own body and then be like, wait, like I actually am like really hot. And like, I deserve to also be taking thirst traps on Instagram and like to enjoy my own sexuality. And, and this is the most important part to me that that doesn't make me any lesser of a person. It doesn't make me less professional. It doesn't make me less impactful or less powerful in my arguments, like as an advocate. And it's something I write about in my book that there was a former Maxim model who ran for Congress in California. There's a former stripper who ran for office in Philadelphia. We're seeing this more. Like sex workers are out here organizing and like the fact that we are sexual beings does not mean that we're not also intelligent or that we're not also effective and that we're not also powerful as professionals. Like any human being who's not asexual is sexual. And like we all have bodies And that's like the weirdest thing for me. It's like, it's so weird that we all carry so much shame about our bodies when like the one thing all human beings have in common is that we all have them. Mm. It's like, we need to unlearn that. Mm. And so for me, it's really been beyond fighting for the rest of my community. A huge part of my own activism has been learning to love my own body, feel comfortable in my own body, feel safe in my own body. And then like sharing that with other people to be like, we, we we should all feel empowered to do what we want with our bodies. And for all of the like politicos who are uncomfortable talking about sex work or talking about these other issues, like if we're saying that the government should not be telling people what to do with their uteruses through abortion, then they also shouldn't be telling people what to do with their vaginas through sex work. It just seems really simple to me, but I think there's there's just so much beyond the intersex community like Body positivity is something that I think we all need to work on. And so I'm, I'm doing that through, through my advocacy, but also through, you know, my ass shots on Instagram. You better. I love duality. It's, I love that so much. Okay, so we slayed that really hard. It's not our fault. So we'll be answering some listener questions on Curious now. It's like a new thing that we're doing, and we're excited to introduce it. So here's one that we would love your help answering. This person asks, I'm a school board member battling against book bans and banned pride flags in our classrooms. Our community is getting tired of the battle and I'm hearing we should, quote, stop talking about these LGBTQ issues. See, they, we didn't even say IA plus, so we'll get that. So uh, we should even talk about these LGBTQ plus issues. I will fix the quote. But I need more talking points on how to make it clear that these issues affect all students. I know they do, but I feel like I need better arguments, more examples, something, quick snappy comebacks to redirect the conversation. My favorite one is like, get fucked, bitch. But you probably can't say that at like a school board <laughs> meeting. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to be more aloke in my <laughs> answers. Um, but Alicia Roth-Weigel, do you yeah. have any like fierce, like interesting, nuanced comebacks? Yeah. Well, one thing I like to do 
and then I'll get into like a specific idea that I have, but like more broadly is I often like to flip it on their heads and talk to them in their own language. So like they're out here talking about Jesus and the Bible and stuff. Sometimes I come in and my entire testimony is like framed in biblical terms. And it makes them, it makes it really hard for them to be like, no, I don't agree with that one. I'm like, when Jesus said in the Bible, blah, 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 blah. This means that like, we need to accept like all these people, including the gay kids and whatever. And it's, it makes it harder for them when you're like meeting them where they're at. And they're like, well, crap, it's harder for me to like argue against this. So, so that's one thing that I do, but also, and we talked about this earlier, just pointing out the utter hypocrisy of these people that are targeting the LGBTQI plus community. So they're saying that they want to protect children. And yet the same exact laws targeting trans children that say don't give surgeries and hormones say that we can force surgeries and hormones on intersex children. And it just points out the utter hypocrisy in these bills. And it points out the the very visible fact, which is this is not about protecting children. It's about enforcing their cis, white, heteropatriarchal view of what is considered normal and what is considered not normal. And that is not for them to decide. That is for us to decide. These are our bodies. These are our lives. These are our decisions to make for ourselves. Absolutely. I also think as far as like school things are concerned, like one of the really effective arguments I feel like I've heard is that like so much of it is about parental rights, like parental rights as far as like what your kid reads, how they read it, how they learn it. Like, you know, parents should be involved in in what kids do and how they learn. Yet when it comes to gender expression and healthcare, then the parents shouldn't have rights and shouldn't be allowed to make decisions, healthcare decisions and, you know, lifestyle decisions that are best for them and their family. But I think the really slippery part with that is, is like, especially here in Texas, is, you know, you had Ken Paxton, you know, issue this directive that said that, like, if you suspect a family of having a trans kid, well, you should report them to the Department of Child and Family Services for child abuse. But that could be because you let your kid grow their hair out, because they have an outfit, because they do a pronoun change. It doesn't, I mean, you don't even have to be doing any sort of puberty blockers or any sort of like, and that's not even child abuse any fucking how. That's where it affects everyone. And and intersex kids, there is an intersex activist I know in Houston who was born in between, was born physically in between, was born intersex. And the doctors told his family to raise him as a girl because that is usually the default with intersex children because they say it's easier to dig a hole than it is to build a pole. They think it's easier to create a vagina than it is to make a penis. So they're like, let's default to saying these little kids are girls. This intersex kid was born intersex. The doctors told his parents to raise him as a girl. He was like, Hey, actually like I'm a boy. No one ever asked me. Y'all did all these surgeries without asking me. So his parents were like, okay. And they started letting him wear boys clothing and his neighbors started reporting him. This was many years ago. And he got taken away from his parents because they were like, they're out here raising this kid as a boy when he's a girl and it was like no actually he's intersex like he was born with anatomy that's in between like it was the doctors that made this decision to raise him as a girl in the first place and I think that example just shows how like it's all so freaking complicated and like rather than like policing again like what other people are doing and whatever like why don't we just let people be who they are obsessed also I got in like a pretty heated 
debate about trans rights with someone who I really, really respect. And it really, really traumatized me because it was like, just, you know how like sometimes when you get into a fight about trans stuff with someone who you didn't see coming and then you're just like, oh shit. I also think it was really funny. The person who I got in a fight with has daughters, like young daughters. And they were talking about like a you know, hypothetical situation. Like, that's why they were so worried about sports because they were like, I have to protect women's sports, like, for my daughters. Like, I have a right to ask these questions. And it didn't matter if I was talking about, well, you know, sports are inherently dangerous, period. Because if you're getting into a sport, like, you could get hurt. Like, no matter if there's trans women there or not. Like, women get hurt in sports all the time. Like, torn ACLs, broken ankles, broken arms, all sorts of shit. Like, sports are dangerous. They're also unfair because of, like, money and access and all of these things. But it's like, the thing is, is that, like, we are more concerned about hypothetical threats to women's sports than the fact that like now kids can't play sports. Kids are already getting bullied for and and getting taken away. I mean, the, the real world harm of what's already happening to trans and intersex people, it's not all about winning medals or winning state or being competitive or getting a scholarship. It's these are like real world social capital things that are actually like so important to like raising kids. Not all kids got to, you know, play sports in order to like be raised well, but the opportunity to do so gives us a lot of people, their formational foundational way of being in the world. So to deprive that of kids is so fucked up. It is. And I was a, I was a big athlete growing up and to, to go by these people's logic and say that I should have been required to like play on the men's sports team. Again, I think if anyone took one look at me, they would realize how inherently flawed all of these arguments are. And really scaling it bigger than trans people, intersex people, sports, I mean, just scapegoating is the most effective thing in the world. They have us all out here focusing so hard on little kids' genitals when in the state of Texas, we have had 60 plus days of temperatures above 100 degrees. And then on the flip side, that's in the summertime. In the wintertime, when it goes below freezing, we all lose power because we're on our own weird, fucked up Texas power grid, not the national grid. And so in the summer, we can't leave our homes because it's stiflingly hot. In the winter, we can't leave our homes because we don't have power and the roads don't have ice and don't have plows because they're acting like these are fluke winter storms rather than just climate change, what it is. And so like when when they have all of these Texas voters out here focusing on little kids' genitals, they're not focusing on the fact that their current government is really messing up their lives in a whole lot of other ways. And so I, I really think like scapegoating is one of the oldest tactics of all time. It's like when you want people to avoid looking at one thing, like have them look at some other bright, shiny object. And I would just say like, let's just take that shiny object like out of like little kids' pants. It's a really weird place for that shiny object to be. Yeah, it's strangely effective. You know, yeah. it's because it's really, it's so Inverse Cowgirl is an absolute must read. I don't want to like fully spoil, but it's a memoir. It's it's your story in the world. But what what's like an, a teaser or anything that you want to share, like an elevator pitch? Yeah, I think that, again, I would just point out that it's it's for everybody. So I've read intersex books and I want to point out there's my friend Pigeon has an intersex book out right now that just came out. And it's called Nobody Needs to Know. And it's really good. And Pigeons delves really deeply into like 
the intersex experience. And so I think anyone who wants to learn more beyond my story, mine is not the only intersex story out there. And thank God we're finally starting to have publishers and movie production companies realize that, although we need way more of that. But my book in particular, it is, you are going to learn about intersex stuff, but like it really is way bigger than that. I talk about magic mushrooms. I talk about abortion rights. I talk about so many different things. And again, it's really just like the very first line of my book. The day I sat down to write my book was the day that Roe versus Wade was reversed. And I was like, the day I sat down to write this, half of the United States lost the right to their own body. That's a right I never had since I was a baby. And so y'all are freaking out now because you just lost that right. I've never had it. So let me help you understand how you can learn to reclaim that. And so I think like anyone who's listening, like whether or not you think you've ever met an intersex person, which I know you have, they've just been closeted, you know, regardless of whether you're interested in learning more, which I hope you do about intersex rights, this book is like, I I hope it'll be helpful for anyone. It's really just about learning to reclaim your rights to your own body, to find your voice, learn how to advocate for yourself and learn how to heal. And I think those are things that like would resonate with anybody. And then just like a cool teaser, I guess, like I, and you know this because you read the book, but each of the chapters is centered on one of my tattoos. And we talked earlier in this conversation about embodiment and like how to reclaim your body when it's been taken from you. And one of the coolest ways that I've found to do that is like literally getting tattoos, getting inks on my skin. It's literally helping me reclaim my own skin. And it's like, I was told by doctors and society that like my body was inherently ugly. And it's like, well, let me find things that I find beautiful and let me bring that into this body. Each of my chapters is focused on one of my tattoos and what I find beautiful. And, and I hope other people will find beauty in, in my essays and in my work and will encourage other people to read it too. So Alicia, tell us, uh, Inverse Cowgirl, out on what date, where are we buying it? Like wherever you get your books. Everyone can pre-order right this instant. You can get it anywhere. Books are sold online. Uh, If you pre-order it, it'll be delivered to your hands or you can pick it up in that bookstore when it goes live in stores on September 19th. So don't wait till the 19th to get it. Pre-order it. It's also, you can get the the audiobook on Audible. You can get an e-reader. All of that's going to be dropping on September 19th, but I highly recommend pre-ordering it in the meantime. And did you voice your book? I did. I did voice my audiobook. And, uh... I've been told that I have a good voice for radio, so. You have an incredible voice. We've all been listening to it, so get it. Yesterday. Also, we've been working hard on a bookshop.org page for all of Getting Curious. So like anyone who's ever been on Getting Curious, their book is linked there. Alicia, yours included. So if you want to get your Getting Curious uh, expertise by our experts on, check that out. We'll put a link in the description of whatever you're listening to the show on. But I'm really excited for this, Leisha Rothweigel, because this is a rapid fire media moment, which we're obsessed with. So, but some of these answers, we could get into like an entire dissertation know, on them. But we so we got to keep it rapid, rapid. It is rapid. Okay. Ready? Yes. What story could you not get enough of growing up or like ever? Elian Gonzalez was a big one for me growing up. Like you remember oh, Elian yeah. Gonzalez? Yeah, I The do, flood yeah. of 93. Uh, Monica, fucking the Olympic, 96 Olympics, Magnificent Seven. I feel like the only thing I can remember from growing up is when the Spice Girls broke up. Oh my God, that's a really, that's a really formative. I was also about to say like, <laughs> realizing that I wanted Michael Phelps to fuck me from like 2008 to like 2016. That was like, his chest was another media moment I couldn't get enough of. It really just did amazing, it for me. You have an amazing memory. I think for me, the most formative was probably the Spice Girls breaking up. I'm still a little bit salty. 
What's your current pop culture obsession? Barbie and and Barbie has unintentional intersex representation. There's a whole scene where where she's like, yeah, I don't like have genitalia. And all the people in the scene are like, oh, that's okay. And it's like, hello, atypical genitalia representation. Come on. And then at the end, she's going into the doctor, into the gynecologist to get her like, you know, surgery. I'm like, Barbie is like unintentionally the most intersex affirming movie ever. Okay, next question. What's a recent today I learned moment for you? Like at the World Track and Field Championships, like we got disqualified from the 4x400 relay, but that was the first time that that's happened since 2005. Our girls shit their pants out there. It was so sad. They did it outside the transfer zone. Ooh, or a lady, this lady at the World Track and Field Championships, um, this American lady, she won discus for the first time ever from the United wow. States. We had so our first discus amazing. winner. These are amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of something like positive and not bummer jams. Hold on. Did you learn on our episode of Getting Curious from last three weeks ago that get, that there's 10 ecotypes of orcas? I did learn that, actually. And I love orcas. And let me tell you, as an activist, I'm really into the orca uprising, so I appreciate that you dedicated an entire episode to that. Fuck me hard, like, knowing a fact from Getting Curious. I was hot, Alicia. Oh, my God. Um, okay, what's a meme or gift that made you lol recently? So 99% of what I follow on Instagram is Chihuahua accounts. So if you, like, go to my XOXY underscore Alicia and you look at my followed accounts, like, you'll just find a plethora of Chihuahua memes that I would highly recommend. Is that a leftover from loving the mascot of Taco Bell growing up on the commercials? No, that's a leftover of the love of my life, Chiquita. Oh my God, Chiquita. We love Chiquita. So she's such a good girl. Chiquita, you're she's such a good girl nap. who's never done anything wrong. You're such a good girl. You're so sweet and cute and perfect. She's the princess, the angel princess of the entire universe. She is angel princess of Genovia and the universe. Yes. What's a moment of queer joy we can end on? Is it Chiquita? I think the moment of queer joy that we can end on is like having everybody see everybody online. Because the fact that we have intersex representation in a movie streaming that everyone can watch, that is like the queerest joy I can think of. Oh my God, Alicia Roth-Weigel, I love you so much. Thank you so much for being the first guest on Curious Now. I could not think of any better person in the world. Congratulations on Inverse Cowgirl. We are so proud of you. Chiquita, you've already had a nap. No more yawning. You're awake now. We love you so much, Alicia. Thank you. Love you. See you soon. You've been listening to Curious Now with me, Jonathan Van Ness. You can learn more about this week's guest and their area of expertise in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on and follow us on Instagram at CuriousJBN. I also talk a lot about the podcast on my TikTok if you want to follow me over there on official JBN. Curious Now drops every other Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to tune in next Monday for an episode of Pretty Curious and every Wednesday for Getting Curious because Getting Curious still every Wednesday. Don't even ever worry about it. But you still can't get enough? You can subscribe to Extra Curious on Apple Podcasts for commercial-free listening, which I love, and our subscription-only show, Ask JVN, where we're talking sex, relationships, and so much more. Our engineer is Nathaniel McClure. Our theme music is also composed by Nathaniel McClure. Curious Now is produced by me, Erica Ghetto, Chris McClure, and Allison Weiss, with production support from Julie Carrillo, Ann Curry, and Chad Hall. Senator Weigel, does that not get, like, am I, like, doesn't that kind of sound interest someday? Maybe someday. Maybe someday. I'm yeah. like, for me, I'm someone that's like, it would have to be the right person for the right seat at the right time. I'm not going to like. Oh, you fucking political strategist. I'm like, I'm not going to take millions of dollars of donations from 
people that I care about if I don't see a path to winning. But if there ever is a path to winning and if it ever makes sense and if I'm the right person, I'm not saying never. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 